Whether you're aware of it or not, the backdrop to every single Sunday service, every time we gather, is death, is a reminder of our mortality. It comes in small ways and it comes in some large ways. Sometimes it's the flowers almost every Sunday that are up here or the branch cuttings from living things that we know will fade in a couple of days. Beautiful though they are, we know they will fade. It is this tree of life triptych we have over here, this place, and then the names where we celebrate those who have died, who have left a gift to this church so that these values, the values they cared about, live on into the, into the future. It's the silence that we sit in every Sunday together as we move into that prayer time, that silence that is like a death of sorts, that place that Louis C.K. points to, that place of silence from the noise and the hubbub and the constant racket, the chirping and chiming of our phones and email, that place of silence where our grasping and our reaching and our busyness might die for just a moment, where grief or tears or clarity may emerge. Out of that little death, our hearts can open, we come back to life, we breathe in pain and the blessings of this world in a new way. And in the prayer, in the cycle of life itself, almost every Sunday, not every, but almost every Sunday, we mention the name of someone who walked among us, who was loved, who loved, who has now died. And someday that will be our name lifted up in that space. Sometimes the death reminder in the service is much more overt. When we launched into this sermon series a month ago, the sermon series on the body, these fearfully and wonderfully made things, Reverend Elaine shared a poem that had these words in it. Body is a thing that you have to leave eventually. You know this because you have seen others do it. Others who were once like you, living inside their pile of bones and flesh, smiling at you, loving you, leaning in the doorway, talking to you for hours. And then one day they are gone. No forwarding address. In ways large and small, every time we gather, we shine a light on the truth that we inhabit bodies that dance and leap and sing and weep, bodies that ache and creak, bodies that get sick with cancer, bodies that break and heal, bodies that have heart attacks and strokes, bodies that grow old, bodies that ultimately stop moving and come to a deep rest, the breath of life passing one final time over the lips as the body made of stardust returns to dust. And I suspect that most of us Most of us, when we come into this place, Sunday after Sunday, we come in here, some part of our hearts or minds carrying thoughts of the dead. Perhaps today we're carrying thoughts of Michael Brown, the young African-American man whose body lay in the street in Ferguson, Missouri for hours after he was shot back in August. We come into this place carrying thoughts of the dead. This past week was Transgender Day of Remembrance, and many of you, I'm sure, recalled those murdered or brutalized for being who they were in the beautiful bodies they had. I imagine you come in here carrying thoughts of the dead with you, thoughts of those you love, thoughts of those who are no longer with us, thoughts of those who will not be around the table this Thanksgiving. 
All of that, all of that is here, just naming it today. Oh, friends, we live in fragile, precious, remarkable bodies. And while we're alive, our bodies receive text messages, emails, phone calls, face-to-face visits, even snail mail. But at some point, we exit the stage of this great drama and sometimes trauma of life. We exit, and there is no forwarding address. So I want to say to our new members joining us today, and for all of you here, know this. Every Sunday that you are here in worship with us, you will bump up against your mortality. This is our intention. You will catch sight of death as the companion walking behind you or behind you or next to you or sharing the pew with you or walking right next to you. Because here we understand that a deep awareness of death can focus our life on what truly matters. You heard whispers of this in that call to worship this morning from Ben. Our awareness of our own death means that we might listen to our gut, that we might let our real self free. We might let our hearts love deeply, let our bodies work for justice, show up in this world. I want to tell you, when I think about my own living and dying, there are moments as a minister where I feel this incredible privilege to walk with you and your loved ones in those final days or hours, whatever it might be, and yet there's always just a bit of distance for me. It's hard to imagine myself actually dying, my life ending, but I have these moments where I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night, half awake, half asleep. The to-do list is buried down deep. I'm in a different place, and I catch a glimpse of the beyond. Eternity, perhaps. I don't know what it is. I feel this kind of weightlessness. I sense the immensity of time stumbling through the hallway toward the bathroom, wherever it is I'm going. And I see myself in those moments returning to the great ocean of all being. In the dark of night, I know the day will come when my body will no longer physically be. And I am awestruck and wholly terrified at the reality of my dying. As I imagine myself unhooking from all that I love and being cast into that place I surely was before I was born, that great ocean of being. Words fail to describe these late night, early morning moments. They are terrifying, beautiful, essentially wordless moments. The poet Grace Butcher captures something of this experience in her poem called Learning from Trees. If we could, she says, if we could, like the trees, practice dying. Do it every year. It would become as easy a part of us as our hair or clothing. Whatever it is the trees know when they stand undone, surprisingly intricate, we need to know also leaves and lives falling away, the spirit complex, waiting in the fine darkness to learn which way to go. That's the moment once in a while that visits me in the middle of the night. And when I wake up in the morning, back 
to my life and my to-do list and all of those things, and I feel my body under the sheets and the blankets, the words of Barbara Brown Taylor come to me, I am happy to be in my body, where the operative categories are not good or bad about my body, but rather dead and alive. (laughs) I am happy to be alive. I am stunned because I know that this particular consciousness, this Justinness, this body will soon have no forwarding address. This awareness, this occasional midnight reminder from the cosmos, from God, from the spirit of life, it is a catalyst for me. It calls me back to live my life as awake as I can. And that awareness, living awake, that awareness is one of the elements we try to create in our Sunday services and certainly our memorial services we hold here. In those services, the memorial services, we don't sugarcoat anything. We don't deny or attempt to explain away the power of death. We don't say, well, God needed another angel in heaven. We don't say there's a better place this person now is. We acknowledge our heartbreak and we celebrate the life and the body of the deceased. Memorial services then offer us a chance to change the way we live, to transform us. What if? What if after every memorial service or even Sunday morning service, we all went home and followed this advice from spiritual teacher Barbara Brown Taylor? What if we went home and as a spiritual practice, she says, it's not a bad idea every so often to go home to drop your clothes, to look in the mirror and say, here I am. This is the body like no other that my life has shaped. I live here. This is my soul's address. This is my soul's address for the time being. And I wonder as we stand there, if we might think about how this body, this soul, can honor all those we know who are gone, whose values and love we wish to keep alive in this world. How shall this body we know will one day disappear? How can this body live in that reality of death and the beauty of life with integrity, with awakeness, Standing there naked is a way to start. And I do not pretend to have the final answer to that question about being alive, knowing we die, and trying to live awake. But I wonder if a critical part of this is stripping away our notions of radical individualism. And this is often a white notion, by the way. That sense that we alone are unique and special and somehow different, perhaps even better than others, that somehow death won't come to us. We're unique after all. But the great truth, friends, is that we are connected. We are super glued to one another, to this earth, to bodies that brought us into being and loved us, that supported us. The idea of radical individualism is a fallacy. And so to set that aside, and to lean into the teachings of Barbara Brown Taylor when she says, it might seem like we don't have much in common, right? But we all wear skin. We all wear skin. 
She says, wearing my skin is not a solitary practice, but one that brings me into communion with all those embodied souls around me. It connects me to them, to the reality that the vast majority of us are afraid of dying. And it's true, of course, that the color of our skin shapes the experience we have as we move through the world. Our gender identity shapes our experience as well, but we all wear skin and the vast majority of us are afraid of dying, both the big end-of-life death and all the little deaths, the deaths represented by silence and stillness and transition and endings. This is part of the fear that Louis C.K. points to, that fear of being alone with our bodies and letting the suffering, the grief, the existential angst, the vulnerability, whatever that is, letting that flood through us and trusting that those feelings and tears will take us somewhere, that they serve a purpose, that they clear the way for something, for deep passion, for curiosity, for sensitivity. It can be terrifying to surrender to those feelings and not push them away. It can feel like dying when they arrive. I think this is especially true for men and perhaps for white men, guys like me and Louis C.K., although I think he might identify as a Mexican-American. But white men, especially part of the narrative is being in control, having power, this narrative of rugged individualism. I got this, I'm fine, I'm okay. When those are still the dominant narratives we're expected to live into, when you have a flood of feeling coming at you, it is terrifying. I remember about two years ago when I was meeting with my massage therapist and she was working on my lower back, I felt this torrential flood of feelings coming over me. I don't know exactly what happened or what was sparked in me, but for whatever reason, I didn't turn away from it. I leaned into it. That's not always my normal practice. I leaned into it and I have to tell you, it felt like I was dying. I started shaking. I started weeping, not just weeping, but sobbing, but belly shaking, body shaking, sobbing, and tears, and I was pulled into this vortex of feelings I guess I hadn't dealt with. Call it the residual effects of being alive. Some of it was grief, I think. Life is so full of these letting goes and saying no's and saying yes's to other things which close doors, open other doors, so there was just a pile of grief, I think, in there. Some of it might have been stress and worry, I don't know. I don't know what most of it was, but I completely lost control. Completely lost control on the massage table. I felt like I was dying. I lost track of time and space. I was in that ocean of being and non-being all at once. It might have been five minutes. Perhaps it was 10 minutes. I don't know. There was a witness. My massage therapist was there, her hand still on me, anchoring me into that place. And I can't say I felt happy after this moment. Louis C.K. talks about the happy antibodies coming but I did feel different. I felt clearer, I felt cleansed, I felt awake in a new way. 
aware that I was still in my body, alive. Moments like that might be exceptions for many of us. Perhaps they're exceptions for most of us because we construct this secure cage of fear and busyness and intellectual distancing around us, this refusal to look at our own mortality. And we lock ourselves in that cage and then forget we're holding the key or have the key in our pocket. So new members of First Universalist Church and all of you here this morning know this. We believe in unlocking the power and the promise and the potential in each human life. We believe we do this best when we are bound together in covenant and authentic relationship with one another, with the spirit of life. Here, we strive to be fully human and awake, free from the cages that constrain the spirit. Here, we face our finitude together. We remind one another that our bodies and the bodies of all those we love will return, if they haven't already, to that vast ocean of being. We remind one another that our bodies will be buried, cremated, spread to the wind as ashes. No forwarding address. We remind one another of the reality of death so that our living can be rich and deep and meaningful, so that our lives can be more than kind of sad or kind of happy, but fully alive, full of snot and tears and belly laughter and heartbreak and love. Here, we remind each other that what remains when we are gone is the love that these bodies have given away. What remains when we are gone is the love we shared, the love that tirelessly worked for mutual flourishing, the love that said, I will not be silent in the face of racism and injustice, the love that is found in the millions of moments of warmth and connection with other human beings. That love lives on. You know this because that love is alive in you. That love lives on. So friends, there is no forwarding address. There is only the love we share and the love we give away. And we know that love much more deeply and more powerfully when we can surrender to those moments of grief and existential angst and heartbreak and come back to life fierce in our commitment to love this world and to love one another. May it be so. And amen.